Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. Would you give a great Calvary welcome to Brother Azzalini as he comes? Amen. Amen. Can we just give that to the Lord right now? Come on, he's the only one that's worthy. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. You know, they sing a song now. It says, my hallelujah belongs to you. I remember when my hallelujah did not belong to him. I remember when I lived in a state of surrender to sin and my hallelujah belonged to this world. And when I lived in sin, I gave sin everything I could. I gave it my time. I gave it my money. I gave it my energy. I lost sleep because of it. I lost relationships over it. But I'm glad that my hallelujah belongs to him now. Halaboshandai. Listen, folks, your pastor touched on it here tonight, but if we're going to get where the Lord wants to take us, it has everything to do with your response tonight. I want you to know that this service is not in my hands. This service is in the Lord's hands, and we're going to go as far as you are willing to go. Now, you may lose a little sleep. It may cost you a little bit of energy. It may cost you a little bit of time. But I think it would be good if all across this house here tonight, we could lift our hands to the Lord one more time and let him know that our hallelujah belongs to him. My hallelujah doesn't belong to this world anymore, but my hallelujah belongs to Jesus. Come on, we need to lift our voice all across this building. The Holy Ghost is getting ready to do a great and mighty work in this house here tonight. Oh, we magnify you, Jesus. We glorify you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I give everything I am to you, Jesus. I give all my mind to you. I give all my heart to you. My priorities belong to you. I give you my everything tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 We're going to be reading out of the book of Exodus chapter 15 in a moment, but I want to take a moment and just give honor to your pastor and the Ellis family. I, I love them so much. They have been so kind to my family uh, every time that we have come here. And Tom and I have had, excuse me, Pastor Ellis and I have had the opportunity to grow closer over the past few years and become closer friends. And I appreciate his voice in my life and his encouragement to me in ministry how many of you know that you're blessed with a great pastor? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, there is typically a progression in every revival. Anytime I, I go somewhere and it's a scheduled revival, not just a Sunday, but a scheduled revival, it seems like the Lord begins to weave those services together. And there's a, a progression from start to finish. And I, I love that I see so many people here tonight that have chosen to come and be a part of that progression. You know, you know what you guys are? You're the devil dippers. You guys are the ones that when you order ice cream, you don't go for one scoop. You order two scoops. You say, I'm here. I might as well get two scoops. Amen. Amen. I guess on Tuesday and Wednesday, we'll see how many of y'all are banana split type of people, you know. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This morning, 
or excuse me, this week as I was studying and praying and asking the Lord about this revival, I, I felt very strongly that the, the Lord revealed to me the progression that we were to take throughout the course of this week. And this morning we experienced deliverance. There were people that experienced deliverance in their mind. There were people that experienced deliverance in their situations. How many of you are thankful for that? Hallelujah. And then tonight... And we began part of this this morning, but I believe tonight that there's a spirit of healing in this house. And I believe that God is going to move us from deliverance to healing. And then on Tuesday night, I'm going to preach to you about the prodigal. And I believe that the gift of prophecy is going to operate on Tuesday night. And then on Wednesday night, I believe that there's going to be a divine charge of faith from the voice of the Lord that comes forward to the Calvary Church here on Wednesday. And so I've shown to you my cards. I've shown to you what I believe the Lord has in store for us. So if you plan to be a part of that, I believe that you will be blessed if you are able to be here for each one of these services. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 22 Exodus chapter 15 and verse 22. So Moses, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and let you be seated right now because I'm going to, I'm going to do this a little different. I'm going to read a little bit. I'm going to preach a little bit, uh, and, and then we'll continue forward. Would you pray with me? quickly before we start. Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful to be gathered together again here tonight. We're so grateful for what you have done in our midst here this morning and for what you are getting ready to do tonight. God, I pray that you would bring a clarity and a focus, Lord, to every individual under the sound of my voice. Lord, that you would begin to reveal yourself to us here tonight. That you would begin to reveal the things in our lives that need to be healed. God, I pray that tonight the miracle working power of Jesus Christ, Lord, would flow in this sanctuary, and every encumbrance to victory would be shattered here tonight, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You know, amen's an important word. Amen's an important word. There were 10 spies that went forward, and only two came back and said amen. And those were the two that moved forward into promise and victory. I believe God's got victory for you tonight. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 15. I'm going to start with verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. And they went into the wilderness of Shur. So here you see the children of Israel. They're being brought out of bondage. They're being brought out of a place where they were constrained and and in a situation that they had no control over. They were in a situation that required deliverance. They were in a place where they could not save themselves. They were in a situation where they could not save themselves but they were in a place uh, that mandated if they were ever to be free that there had to be a divine intervention there had to be a deliverance and that's part of what we experienced here this morning there were people that came into this building this morning bound their mind was bound there was sin in their life there were things and circumstances that were binding them and God stepped into the building and said I'm going to step into your Egypt uh, and I'm going to deliver you. I see the situation that you are in. I see the confusion that you are facing. I see that you have been weakened to a point uh, where you cannot save yourself. So I'm going to step in and be your deliverer. I'm going to step in and pull you out of where you are. And this is what happened with the children of Israel. God saw their plight and heard their cry and came to them and delivered them out of Pharaoh's hand. And here we see Moses leading them through the Red Sea, one of the greatest miracles and stories that you can read about in the Bible. And they, the Bible says that they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now this is a very serious situation. Uh, for, for those of you who drink coffee, just imagine not drinking coffee for three days. 
Come on, somebody. I, I can't imagine not drinking coffee for three days. I, I'll admit to you that even when I'm fasting most of the time, coffee, me and God have an understanding that coffee is not part of that equation. I'll fast water before I'll fast coffee. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Some of you, some of you relate, I can tell. Hallelujah. But they were in this situation where they had no water and, and they came to this place, verse 23, and they came to Marah. They could not drink of the waters of Marah for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. Does anybody know what Marah means? It means bitter water. I know that was revelation, right? Everyone just, that knocked you down, I can tell. So they came to this place called Mara, and they couldn't drink the water there because the water was bitter. Mm. You know, many times when you come out of deliverance, it exposes the bitter things in life. It's not until you come out of Egypt that you encounter the bitterness that you had become comfortable with when you were in Egypt. See, in Egypt, uh, you begin to adopt the customs, the cultures, the mindsets, and the paradigms of Egypt. Uh, and you begin to get used to the way that they talk and the way that they walk and the way that they do things. And, and all of a sudden, you become comfortable with the mindsets of Egypt and the, and the things that the Egyptians talk about. And you become comfortable with captivity. And that captivity begins to produce Samara in your life. It begins to produce some bitter water. And it isn't until you experience deliverance uh, that all of a sudden uh, you see the Mara for what it is. You see that bitter water for what it is. It isn't until God pulls you out of that situation uh, that you realize uh, that that offense had turned into bitterness. It isn't until God lifts you out uh, and brings deliverance to your life that you realize uh, you have become used to some things uh, that were not producing good fruit in your life. Uh, it isn't until you experience deliverance uh, that you begin to see uh, that you've allowed things uh, into your mind and into your heart uh, that have corrupted you and caused you not to be pure. And here the children of Israel, after experience deliverance, they come to a place uh, where they discover that there is bitter water in their life. Hallelujah. I lived in sin for a season. And when I came out of sin, I realized there was bitterness in my life. As much as I needed the church while I was in Egypt, I let the enemy talk bad about the church to me. And I started to believe some things about the church that were not true. When I was in Egypt, uh, the enemy convinced me uh, that I didn't have a future, uh, that my future was barren. And I began to believe some of those lies. I began to swallow some of that bitterness. Uh, and that bitterness began to affect my mindset. When I was in Egypt, Egypt, huh? I adopted huh? an addictive personality and a, and a compulsive type behavior and I became comfortable with dysfunction and so when God delivered me huh? I still had to deal with the dysfunction I still had to deal with the chaos and if deliverance did anything it highlighted huh? some of the bitterness huh? that I had become accustomed to in my life and and it's right here it's uh, it's right at the point of deliverance. It's uh, only three days into the journey uh, where the children of Israel all of a sudden uh, are smacked with reality uh, and they begin to understand, uh, my God, things are going to be a little bit different uh, than it was back in Egypt. Uh, yes, he delivered us. Uh, yes, he brought us through the Red Sea, uh, but there are still some things uh, inside of us uh, that we're going to have to make right. There are still some things some realities that have followed us out of Egypt that have gotten into our mind that have gotten into our spirit that are going to have to be dealt with here in the wilderness. And the Bible says that they began to murmur. Whew. 
murmuring. It's speaking death. That's what murmuring is. When you murmur, when you complain, you begin to put life back into that bitterness. You begin to put life back into that dysfunction. And you say things like, Moses, we were better off when we were in Egypt than where we are right now. You begin to say, you know what? I was better off in the world. At least I had this. At least I was comfortable in my situation. And see, that's what Egypt does. It makes you comfortable with that dysfunction it makes you comfortable huh, with that bitterness in your life huh? and all of a sudden huh, when you are brought to a place where that bitterness is exposed huh, you've got to make a choice huh, as a believer huh? am I going to run back to the comfortability huh, of Egypt huh? am I going to run back to the old habits huh, and the old ways of thinking huh? or am I going to allow the Lord huh, to open up a fresh river huh, a healing river huh, in my life huh, to deal with the junk and the mess that I adopted in Egypt. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And the people murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink? Keep in mind, they just walked through the Red Sea three days ago. Three days ago, they saw an ocean split wide open and they walked through on dry ground. And today they're upset because there isn't a Starbucks on the other side of the Red Sea. So Moses, understanding that he was not God and he was just doing what he was told, and he cried unto the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. Let me just stop right there. Okay? The pastor says, listen, God, I did everything you said. I brought these guys through the Red Sea on dry ground. And now we got no water and they're upset. And God said, there's a tree. Come again. Come again. There's a tree. That's great. Is that going to become a raft? to sail us to where we need to go, where the good water is, God said, no, you're going to cut down that tree and you're going to throw it in the water and I'm going to do a miracle. When you become willing to deal with the bitterness, when you become willing to deal with the Mara, you have just invited the miraculous into your life. When you make a decision, I'm not going to complain about the process. I'm not going to murmur against the man of God. I'm not going to whine about the direction that we're headed. I'm just going to trust God with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind. It's then that you have told God, God, I'm in it for the long haul. So you can open up up uh, the windows of heaven uh, and you can pour out uh, a miracle in my situation. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Huh. Mm. Which when he had cast into the water, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. Verse 26, and said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God. You know, salvation is not conditional, but some of the promises of God are. 
We talked about it this morning. If my people, which are called by my name, and here you hear uh, a very similar pattern developing, uh, and said, if thou wilt diligently hearken uh, to the voice of the Lord thy God, uh, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, uh, and will give ear to his commandments, uh, and keep all of his statutes, uh, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians uh, for I am the Lord uh, that healeth thee. This is where we see Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. The Lord that healeth. Rapha is the Hebrew word for heal. And I believe that Jehovah Rapha has a plan and a purpose for this evening service. He has surveyed the landscape of your life. And he has seen the areas that have been neglected. He has seen the things inside of your heart that you have not dealt with up to now and God is saying listen if you allow me to step in tomorrow if you allow me to step into that bitter place I'm going to make those bitter waters sweet I'm going to unleash a healing into your life that will touch your mind I'm going to unleash a healing into your family that reconciles the relationship Relationships uh, that you thought were gone forever. Uh, I'm going to release a healing into your body. uh, And I'm going to touch that infirmity uh, that you've just grown to live with. Uh, I'm telling you right now uh, in the Holy Ghost uh, that Jehovah Rapha uh, is in the building. uh, And he showed up here tonight uh, to bring healing uh, to your life. uh, To bring... uh, He is a healer. He is a healer. We see it all throughout his word. You see it in the story of Hannah. Her womb was shut up. She was barren. She couldn't have a son. She was without promise. And in one moment, God spoke to Hannah through the man of God and said, you're going to have a baby. And Hannah's countenance changed. And she responded. Hello. She responded to the word that God gave her. And unleashed Jehovah Rapha in her life her response unlocked the door for the miraculous to take place we see it in the Old Testament that he's a he's a healer of consecration See, every time the children of Israel would give themselves over to idols and, and, and fall away in their relationship with God, God would always send a man of God huh, to bring deliverance to them. And the first thing that they would do is huh, they would tear down the high places huh, and they would tear down those idols. Huh, and all of a sudden, huh, God would give them a mandate huh, and say, now huh, I want you huh, to build new altars. Huh, I want you to know right now if you feel like you've gone astray in your relationship with God if you feel like you've made too many mistakes Jehovah Rapha is in the building and he wants to heal your consecration tonight you haven't made too many mistakes to walk hand in hand with Jehovah you haven't gone too far or wayward for him not to heal your devotion and consecration in your walk with him. He's a healer of consecration. Hallelujah. He restores promises. <laughs> he restores altars. See, when Mara gets into our spirit, it causes bitterness. <laughs> it causes bitterness inside of us. 
And the only way that we can move forward is to receive healing in our spirit. See, when bitterness is present, purity is absent. Purity and bitterness cannot coexist together. And when bitterness is in your spirit, it will manifest itself in the way you talk to people, in the way that you deal with situations, in the the way that you greet your brothers and sisters, in the way that you deal with frustration. All of a sudden, that bitterness begins to come out and it hurts people around you. The Bible says that when bitterness is present, we will defile many. It means that there's when that's inside of your spirit, you're going to hurt people. You're going to hurt people with your words. You're going to hurt people with your actions. But see, God didn't call us to come together to hurt one another. As a matter of fact, Paul said in Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. What was he saying he was saying look if you allow God to heal your to heal your bitterness he's going to make you a minister of grace you're going to begin to speak into other people's lives and edify them and lift them up and give them words of encouragement he's a healer of bitterness and then there are those who become wounded in their spirit. Mm, when wrongs have come and injustices have been done and we become wounded in our spirit, someone's lashed out. Somebody's done something to slight us or to slight our family or to hurt us in some way. God didn't say that those wounds aren't justified, but he said we're still called to forgive. And see, when he releases that sweet water into that bitter place, he's going to release forgiveness into your spirit so that wound can finally close and unity can finally be a accomplished in the body of Christ. Are you hearing me here tonight? There is a there is a wave of healing that's getting ready to sweep over this place here tonight. But you've got to be willing to become vulnerable in the spirit. You've got to become willing to say, you know what? This is a safe place. I can open up my wound here. I can open up my broken spirit here in this house in God's house it's okay to say I'm broken it's okay to say I'm dysfunctional it's okay to say I've been hurt that I've been drinking Mara for too long because soon he's going to release a river of healing Hallelujah. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Halamashi. Then there's physical healing. When something is healed, it's restored to its original condition. The thing that's been broken, God touches it and heals it. And it can function the way that it was meant to function. And see, what happens is, is when we don't deal with the Mara, we aren't able to function the way God intended us to function. See, you're the church of the living God. He's called you to be bold, to have faith, to make declarations of faith, to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. Not just inside of this house, but also outside of this house. And so when the Holy Ghost moves on you, and God prompts you to do something, and take a step of faith, and you don't do it because you feel fear, and you feel insecurity, You're dealing with bitter water. 
it's an evidence that you are not operating the way that he intended you to operate because he hasn't given us the spirit of fear but of love Oh, I wish somebody uh, would hear me in this house here tonight. Uh, you come in week after week uh, dealing with the same old junk. Uh, and God stepped in the building tonight uh, and said, listen, uh, I brought uh, every answer uh, that you need. Uh, it's right here uh, in the building uh, right now. Uh, he's just waiting on you. Coming to church isn't just about digesting a pretty sermon. As a matter of fact, Paul said, I didn't come to you with excellency of speech, but I came to you with the demonstration, the demonstration, the demonstration of the spirit. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for some demonstration in my life. I'm ready to see those gifts begin to flow in our churches. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. I remember when our little girl, Aubrey, she just looked at me. When she was smaller than she is now, she was just a couple years old. She had this skin condition. And I don't ask me what the name of it is, okay? Just ask my wife. I don't know what it was. But it was painful. And she had these little bumps on her skin, and it caused her all kinds of pain. And, and my wife would have to... You know, wash them every night and put ointment on there and try to help her and soothe her to go to sleep. And, and it became a, a whole ordeal, you know, something we had to deal with every day. And, and it was, it caused us to be weary and, and it made our hearts, you know, hurt for her as we saw her suffer. And we had prayed many times about this condition and, and it hadn't changed. And we went to family prayer one night. And Bishop Stark was leading prayer that night, and he began to tell this story, and he said, you know, my grandson, Ashton, he used to have a skin condition. And he said, and one night, the Lord told me, he said, I just want you to take oil and just begin to rub it on all of the areas that have been affected by that skin condition and begin to pray for Ashton and plead the blood over Ashton. And he's telling this story in family prayer. And my wife and I are just standing there. We're we're beginning to weep because we knew that God was speaking to us through that story. And so that night we went home and we got out that bottle of oil and we said, Aubrey come here and she thought we were crazy but she said isn't that salad dressing I said no it's not it's oil okay it's oil that's what it is it's it's powerful it's anointed it's E-V-O-O right and uh, I said come here Aubrey I said we're going to anoint you with oil and we begin to rub her down with oil and we begin to pray over her and uh, speak healing over her and wouldn't you know it uh, I know it may surprise some of you but the prayers worked and and God showed up uh, and the very next day those little bumps begin to dry up and within just a matter of weeks they had all disappeared why because he's Jehovah Rapha that's why because he's Jehovah Rapha that's why because he hears our cry he's as close as the mention of his name And then there was another time that my son Hudson, who's walking in right now, how you doing, Hudson? He was just a baby. I think he was maybe six months old. You know, most of the time I get the details wrong. So if you talk to my wife, these stories might sound different after church, but, you know, they're close. They're close. And he was a baby, and he was a, 
having difficulty breathing. And, and if you're a man, you understand. You're like, listen, doctor is last resort, right? Like we're going to, we're going to tough it out. We're going to sleep on it. We're going to see what happens. And thank God for mama bears, right? Cause they don't play around when it comes to their cubs. And mama bear showed up and said, no, we're going to the doctor right now. And I said, okay. So we went to the doctor and the doctor put that little thing on his finger that measures the oxygen in his blood. And, and, uh, Amanda, I don't know what a good number is, but, but this was a super bad number, right? It wasn't a good number. And the doctor put that thing on his finger and she looked at us and she said, get in your car and drive to children's hospital right now. Well, you hear something like that as a parent, it gets real, real quick. And so we put Hudson in the car. And how many of you ever gone to the ER before? (laughs) Yeah, it's like Walmart on steroids. I mean, the ER is a wild, wild place. And, you know, every time I've gone to the ER... You know, because I'm like a big baby. Like, if anybody else is hurt, I'm like, hey, we're going to wait. But if I'm in the slightest bit of pain, I'm going to the doctor because I can't live in this discomfort. I'm the man of God. I got to preach tomorrow. You know, I got to deal with it. Right. So I go to the ER, and it's like three and a half hour wait. And I go in there, and they're like, yeah, take some ibuprofen, all right, and just kind of toughen up. But we walk in. Only time in my life this has ever happened. And we bring Hudson up to the receptionist. And uh, we tell her what just happened. And we tell her that number. And she looks up from her paperwork. And do you know what she says? She said, they didn't send him in an ambulance? Yeah, next level. And I saw doctors come from everywhere. I used to think there was like only one doctor that worked in the ER, and that's why it took 17 hours for somebody to see you. They're back there somewhere. I still don't know where they're hiding. But they came out of hiding, and doctors came from everywhere, and they grabbed Hudson, and they took him to this room. And I am telling you, it was like a scene out of that uh, show. That uh, <laughs> Whoops. I don't know. There used to be a show on a long time ago about the ER, and it looked a little bit like that. And, and all of a sudden, doctors came out of everywhere, and they're swarming around Hudson, and they're saying things to each other that I don't understand, and lingo and jargons being thrown everywhere. And me and me and Jennifer just sitting there like, "Oh my God, our baby!" Right? And so we text the prayer warriors, and we say, "Listen, Hudson." has RSV, and his oxygen level is da-da-da-da-da, some crazy number. You need to pray right now. I sent that text message. There is a flurry of activity. They're all watching the monitors. They're all freaking out. They're starting to talk about cutting him open, right? They're going to put something in him, whatever, to help him breathe. 30 seconds later... The monitor changes. The numbers go up. And every doctor and nurse just stops. And they look. And they all start looking at each other. And there was no conversation. They just start walking out of the room one by one. They just start walking out of the room. We were gone in like 30 minutes in the car on the way home. Why? Because Jehovah Rapha walked in to an ER and said, I'm the only doctor that this boy needs. Did somebody call? I'm going to be there right on time every time. I was preaching one of my very first services as an evangelist. And it's at a small home missions church. There was maybe 20 people there. 
And at the end, I felt the Holy Ghost nudge me that God wanted to heal some people there. And so, and I mean, I was like a novice, right? I was scared. I'm like, well, good, heal them. You know, great. <laughs> They'll send me an email. Let me know it happened. You know, what do I got to do with that? He's like, I want you to call them up for healing. I said, all right. But you're going to do it, right? You're going to leave me in a lurch, right, Jesus? Because that's how you think when you're new, right? You think like that you got something to do with it. Yeah, I don't have anything to do with it. And so I called these people up. And one of the ladies was brand new. A couple of the other ones were, uh, you know, I don't know. They were transfers or something. They had come over there. And they were well-established Pentecostals, right? They knew what to do. They came up and put their hands in the air. And they looked the part. And this other lady, she didn't know what she was doing. And she stood right in the middle. And, and she walked up. She just knew she was going to obey what the preacher was saying. So the preacher said, come on up here. We're going to have prayer. And so she comes up. She's got her hands up. And she begins to pray. And first... God fills her with the Holy Ghost, right? And so that's super exciting. I'm thrilled. I'm like, oh, well, that must have been what it's about. False. Like three days later, the pastor calls me and he said, hey, do you remember that lady, Pam? She was standing in the middle when you prayed. I said, yeah, yeah, the one got filled with the Holy Ghost. He's like, yeah, that one. He said, he said, Pam got in a car wreck a long time ago. And ever since then, she suffered with vertigo. And as a result of that, she's never been able to go to the store on her own. She can't do her own grocery shopping. People got to drive her around. And it's really infringed upon her way of living. She hasn't been able to work. She's collecting disability. He said, for the last three days... Pam has been completely independent. She hasn't suffered with vertigo one time. She went to the grocery store. She went to the doctor. And the doctor said, I can't explain it. Well, I can't explain it. Jehovah Rapha showed up in that church service and said, because you believed, because you responded, because you moved. When I said move, I showed up. You know, God cares about the small stuff, too. He does. There's this sweet, sweet lady that I know. She's beautiful. She's my wife. And she was suffering. She had pain in her feet. And uh, she had plantar fasciitis, I guess. I don't know. You know, she probably, she gets on WebMD a lot. It might have been self-diagnosed. I'm not sure. But, but I do know that the pain was real, right? And, uh, and she had to wear, like, those Crocs and stuff, you know, like the ones that are not super attractive. And, and she had to wear them all the time because her feet hurt. Listen, she knows who she married, all right? You know what? She didn't come into this blind. And we were having this service, and I wasn't there. There was a missionary there, and people were getting healed, and I, I was somewhere else preaching, and there was this girl in our youth group, and she'd had this back surgery, and so she had this back pain that was always killing her. She couldn't sit with the young people, and she couldn't worship. She couldn't stand up. She was only 15, 16 years old, and she always sat back with her parents. You could see her. She was always having to move around and shift her weight because she was in so much pain, and and the missionary said, listen, I want, I want anybody that's got back pain to come up here. And, and she makes her way up from the back and she comes to the front and, and he starts praying for her and, and she's got her hands up and, and she can feel the presence of God. She begins to cry, right? And, and, and the missionary just stops. He's like, wait, everybody stop. He said, no. He said, I know you feel the presence of God. He said, but I don't want you to cry. He said, we're going to rejoice. He said, because God's going to heal you right now. Do you believe that? And she said, yes, I believe that. And so she put her hands up, and he prayed for her again. And instantly, that back pain left her body. And she began to run around and dance and shout. And then my wife, who often has more faith than I do, sitting at home by herself in the chair, suffering that afternoon, 
Say, God, if you can do it for that girl in the middle of a church service, you can do it right here in my living room. And God said, if you'll rejoice, I'll do it right now. And she got out of that chair. And she began to run in circles around the house there at home. You can call her crazy if you want to. But I'm going to say she's a responder. She responded to what the Holy Ghost moved on her to do. And because of it, Jehovah Rapha showed up in my living room and touched her on that day. Oh, hallelujah. Listen to me, some of you are still struggling huh, in this hour with doubt and fear huh, because you've heard the stories before. Huh? You've heard people talk about it before. Huh? But yet you're sitting there huh, with an infirmity right now. Huh? I'm here to take authority huh, over every bit of doubt huh, and fear huh, that's in this room right now. Huh? I need you to believe tonight huh, that you serve huh, a God that is alive and well. Huh? He's the God of the book of Acts. He's the God of 2019. He was Jehovah Rapha in Exodus. And he's Jehovah Rapha today. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. I believe that the Lord is getting ready to move with compassion in this room here tonight. I'm going to tell you one more story. When I very first started evangelizing, the night before I was supposed to preach my first service as an official full-time evangelist, I got very, very sick. And I got sick in my stomach. And, and I went to that revival and I preached those services, but, but the entire time I had terrible pain. And that sickness continued, and I was sick for weeks on end. And every time I would, I would go to preach somewhere, the pain would just intensify and grow. And the doctors weren't sure what was going on, and, and we weren't sure how to treat it or what to do with it. And I'd been prayed for many, many times. And I remember we were having a, a guest speaker, and it was a Sunday where... I wasn't scheduled to be home, and so I came to church, and it was Brother Aaron Bounds' father was there. That's who it was, and he was preaching, and when you know it, he was preaching about healing, and he showed up, and he's preaching, and he's talking about how God's a healer, and God's going to heal people tonight, and I'm feeling all this confirmation in my spirit that, okay, I was supposed to be here. This is the reason I wasn't scheduled to be somewhere today, and, and God's going to heal me, and, and faith begin to build in my spirit, and, and we finally get to that moment, and we're getting ready to have that moment here shortly where the altar call comes, and, and they're going to call people forward for healing, and so I come forward, right, and, and I'm praying, and, and I feel the presence of God, but I'm telling you with every passing second that I prayed that that pain grew worse and worse and worse and I'm praying and I, I kind of open my eyes a little bit you know how we do see who's around us kind of thing and uh and I see Bishop Stark coming my way and I'm like all right it's on ain't no disease gonna take on big papa You can edit that from the script if you would. I said, he's going to pray for me, and this thing's going to leave. And so I'm like, yes, God, and in the name of Jesus, right? And he's pushing me down, all that stuff. It's just worse, worse, right? Now I got a headache and my stomach hurts. <sighs> 
I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. You guys really just need to take this off the webcast. <laughs> this is like one of them things that show up on YouTube later, you know. Not good. All right, anyway, moving forward. So next, right, the guest speaker starts heading my direction. I'm like, well, he's the one that preached about healing. Surely the anointing on this man is going to break the yoke of this infirmity, and I'm going to be healed, right? I mean, that's what you would think, right? So I'm like, here it comes. I'm ready. Somebody get me a chair. I'm going back as soon as this guy touches me. And he comes on, in the name of Jesus. I'm like, oh, got worse. Then I started getting desperate as every member of the ministry team starts taking their whack at it, right? Maybe I'll be the guy. No. I don't know what's happening right now. So then I get desperate with God. And I go off by myself, right? I'm basically giving up. And I go over and I start crying. And the altar, I'm like, God, I thought it was tonight. I can't go one more day. Jesus. And I'm crying. I'm weeping. I'm making light, but I'm telling you it was real. And I told God, I said, God, I'm not leaving here tonight until you touch me. I said, I preach every week to people all across this country that you're a healer, that you're a deliverer. Lord, if you have done it for so many others, I know that you can do it for me. And then, it was a friend. It was a brother in Christ. Nobody that held a title or a position. In fact, it was a brother that did not know what I was suffering from. He had no idea why I was in the altar that day. He just saw a brother in need and he came up and put his hand around me because he was moved with compassion though he did not know why. And it was through that love of Jesus that Jehovah Rapha said I can work with this. I can work with compassion. I can work with brotherly love. I'm going to use this man right here to release a miracle into my servant and right there in that altar with my friend's arm around me he began to pray he didn't even pray about the pain he didn't even pray for healing he just prayed prayers of blessing over a brother but as he prayed I felt that pain literally leave my body I felt relief come for the first time in weeks. Why? Because Jehovah Rapha showed up. Rapha showed up. I want you to stand all across this building here tonight. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, Thanks for listening.